Join us today as Pastor Paul explains how Adam brought sin and death to all and how God's grace came in the form of Jesus Christ and freed us from sin and death, leading us to righteousness and abundant forgiveness. So good morning again. It is great to see you next week when I see you. Uh, I expect you guys to go, oh man, can't wait to get in the parking lot after church and, and can't wait to have spend some good time with you on Friday or Saturday just hanging out at the fireworks booth. So making sure that you all remember what you're supposed to do after church and Steve has orders to somebody who leaves. Okay. <laughs> Sidebar. The other day I actually found uh, um, in the closet this, this big old paintball gun in, in, in the closet of the church and I thought, huh, one day how can I put that to use? Hmm. I know. Ah, oh, I don't know. Okay, so if you don't open to Romans chapter 5, that could be the beginning of it, okay? Romans chapter 5, turn with me. We're, we're kind of in the middle of a great, great study. The more I study the book of Romans, the more I'm falling in love with it. Romans chapter 5, Paul, he, he's in the community of Corinth, and, he, and he's trying to prepare himself, trying to prepare the community in Rome for him to get there, and he doesn't know the journey that it's going to take for him to get there is going to be brutal. But Paul's preparing... And he's writing this letter to this church he's never been to. And we've been tracking along, and, and there's some, there some people who have Jewish backgrounds. There's some Gentiles there. And, and the Gentiles in Rome would be idol-worshipping Gentiles, and, and the Jews would be people who thought that, okay, the, the Jewish culture, the Jewish way of life is the perfect way of life, and, and you just add Jesus to that. And Paul's here to say it is nothing, nothing but Jesus Christ. And so turn with me to Romans chapter 5. And we're going to start in verse 12. I'm going to read verse 12 through 21. And then we're going to slowly go back to verse 12. And we're going to unpack it because there are some amazing truths. There's an old professor at Dallas Theological Seminary. He said when he he liked to go around around pastors and and when he'd visit their church, he'd he'd always want to see the pastor's Bible. And he'd always wanted to see, is is Romans 5 well-worn? Is it highlighted? Is it underlined? Because there is so much deep, truth in this passage, and we're just going to kind of fly over the top of it, but if you want to dig deep into this passage, it is filled with nuggets of gold. So Romans chapter 5, verses 12 through 21, Paul says, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. Yes, people sinned even before the law was given. But it was not because it was not yet, because there was not yet any law to break. Still, everyone died. From the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even those who did not disobey an explicit command of God as Adam did. Now, Adam is a symbol, a representation of Christ who was yet to come. But there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. This gift is very different from the result of that one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation. But God's free gift leads to our being made right with God, even though we are guilty of many sins. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who received it will live in triumph over sin and death 
through this one man, Jesus Christ. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God for everyone. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. But because one person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more and more abundant. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God, resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. First handout, first slot in your fill-in-the-blanks is this, following in Adam's footsteps. In Adam's footsteps. That's what we are, that's what we've been. I want to ask you a question. Um, would you like to be liable, held liable, for the robbery that your mom committed? Let's say your mom commits a robbery and she goes to jail. Would you like to, after, would you like to, after she dies, an old lady in jail, also be kept in jail and be held a prisoner in jail because of something that your mom did? How many of you would like to do that? None. There's a gal named Megan Williams who, who, who didn't like to do that. In fact, she was a child. When she was, just a, um, when she was born, as a result of her mom's, she was born in prison. Her mom had done drugs, and she was arrested, and she was a drug baby, but she was born in prison. And, and she was adopted by some well-to-do, both well-to-do people in the Seattle, Washington area. She grew up, and she rebelled and, and because she was a foster kid, and, and then ultimately she got her life back together, and she started this organization. I don't know if she's a believer or not. Started this organization in bars. Look at those stats. Each year, about 4,500 across the nation, each year about 4,500 women enter prison pregnant. Each year in federal prisons, about 3,500 women enter prison pregnant. These are, these are babies that have done nothing wrong, and the babies then have to either be adopted out or something happens to them. They allow moms sometimes to nurse them and take care of them for up to maybe a couple of months, and then the babies are off to foster care. Let me ask you another question. Should you be held liable for the robbery that your great-great-grandpapa did? Your great-grandfather, let's say he was a bank robber and he robbed a bank, and they say, well, he's guilty, but he's not there anymore, so I'm going to arrest you for the crime that your great-great-grandpapa did. How would you like that? No one would like that, would they? It seems unfair. It seems unfair to, for us to be guilty of something that our great-grandpappy did. And yet, and, yet, and yet, as we unpack the text, there's something that our Adam did. Adam broke the first commandment. And as a result of Adam breaking that first commandment, all of us, all of us have inherited his guiltiness. What's the passage say? And when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam, and so death spread to everyone for everyone's sin. Let me show you what that looks like. In Genesis chapter 3, there's a picture of a story. A story is of, there's a tree that, that Adam and Eve are told, hey, don't eat from that tree. The first command, the first command ever given to our people, the people, image bearers of God created. First command is, you shall not eat from that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And what does Adam, what does Eve do? They they, they are tempted and they eat from the knowledge, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They break the command. I find it fascinating that, that then Moses on Mount Sinai, what's the first command God gives Moses? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Is that in response to the fact that Adam and Eve sinned, what they thought they were getting is the knowledge of good and evil, the knowledge of God. We've been wrestling with this issue of us being God. Anyways, 
Adam and Eve, they take, they take the fruit and they eat it. And a passage says, when Adam sinned. When Adam sinned, watch what happens to Adam. Sin entered the world. And from that point on, when Adam and Eve, they're banished from the presence of God, God can't be in the presence of sin. So Adam and Eve are there and sin. Their generation after generation inherit sin. Adam's sin brought death, physical death, spiritual death, death in our relationship with God. Adam's sin brought death, the text says. And so death spread to everyone. All over the world is right. The breaking of the relationship is right. Everyone has sinned. All of us have sinned. But how do we know that? Because everyone dies. A couple of pages later, from Genesis 3 to Genesis 5, there's a great story. And, and we know this. We, I've told this many times. If there, there's a passage in the Bible, and it says something. It says a, a word, and then it repeats the word. You pay attention to it. That, that's calling your attention to the key to it. But if it repeats it three or four times, that's God's flag saying, hey, pay attention, pay attention. Something important is happening. Look what happens in Genesis chapter 5. Adam lived, and then Adam died. What happens next? Seth lives. Seth died. Enoch lived. Kenan lived, and he died. Mahala lived, and he died. Jared lived, and he died. Enoch lived, and he was not. Methuselah lived, and he died. Lamech lived, and he died. Noah lived. Pages later, chapter 9, and he died. Is there not a repeated frame that, that is woven throughout all of chapter 5? They lived, they lived to be a ripe old age, and then they died. Making a point, making a point that the curse, the sin, entered the world, and the result of sin is death. Death. So death spread to everyone because everyone has sinned. That's what Paul's saying. Everyone has sinned. Death has come, and everyone has sinned. 13 says, yes, people sinned even before the law was given, but it was not counted as sin because there was not yet any law to break. In other words, they weren't guilty of breaking the Sabbath. Before Moses came, you could not be guilty of breaking the Sabbath. There was no Sabbath law, Sabbath commandment to keep. You couldn't say, well, well, okay, I, I didn't break the Sabbath. You're right. You're not guilty of that. But you're guilty of sin. See, a lot of us like to think that, that okay, we're pretty good at keeping the commands. We're pretty good at keeping the law. And to my knowledge, I'm pretty good at not murdering anybody. I don't think I've done it yet. You know, I, could be true confession time, right? No, I haven't done it. And, um, you know, and so I haven't, we think, that's a lot of times what we think, okay, I, I'm good with that law. Okay, I, I, I haven't committed adultery. I've been faithful to my wife, and that's good. But then Jesus comes along and he says, look, look, let me, let me, let me help you understand what that means. Let me help you understand the definition of this. When it says don't murder, it, it says not just don't kill somebody, but if, you, if you're angry at your brother and you say, bad thing about your brother, your sister, you're guilty of murder. And then all of a sudden, where I thought I was innocent, I become guilty. It says, if you've looked upon a woman lustfully, you're guilty of adultery. And all of a sudden, I become guilty. Church, although there was no law, we have all sinned. Everyone, there was no law to break. And 14 says, still everyone died from the time of Adam to the time of Moses. Even those who did not disobey an explicit command died. Paul is showing, is showing that the truth of the text is that the result of sin is death. And I purposely have it on black and white, and you'll see why it's so in a second, because it becomes exceedingly good news for us. Now, Adam is a symbol. 
a representation of Christ who is yet to come. What he's saying is, is that because of what Adam did, everybody else, everybody else is guilty of it. There's not one person here who has lived a perfect life. As much as I love my brother Trevon, he probably has done one or two things in his life that he's clarify a sin. Maybe. He's a really good guy. Right? All of us have sinned. All of us have, have broken the law of God. None of us are perfect. And so Adam is the symbol, and, and the result, the byproduct, that all of that is true of us. All of us are equally sinful. And then verse 15 says, but there is a difference between Adam's transgression and God's gracious gift. Adam, Adam sinned, and, and he passed along the fruit of that sin all along to us. God did not, and he's going to pass along the gift of righteousness to all who accept it. We can be righteous. We can be justified. We can be forgiven. We can be grace-filled because that's who Jesus is. Born in the bars, if you will, the prison of being a slave to sin anymore. God's gracious gift is free. If it's a gift, by the way, if it's a gift, it's free. How many of you have ever for Christmas ever for Christmas, said, you know what, I want a lot of Christmas presents. You're going to go out and buy yourself your Christmas presents. Go out and buy yourself. I, I, I want to make sure my Christmas presents are, are, are the best presents I ever wanted. And so you go out and you buy yourself Christmas presents, right? And you go, wow, what a great Christmas I had. I, I got all these presents. And you come down the stairs, you come out of the door, and you go, woohoo, look at all those presents are for me. Bought by you. How many of you have done that before? None, because it doesn't make any sense, right? It, it wouldn't be free, a present, and then being surprised that you got a present. That'd be horrible. Or you want to have a birthday party, and you want to look like you got a lot of birthday gifts, and so what do you do? You go buy yourself a lot of birthday presents, and then you wrap them up and so that you can have a lot of birthday presents. That's not a gift, is it? A gift isn't when you buy yourself something, you go, wow, I've earned this, I made the money. And a gift is when somebody gives you something for free, out of the generosity, out of their love for you, out of their kindness for you. And so you have a birthday party, and we have a birthday party, family members and friends come and they give you a gift. Something that you didn't earn, something that you didn't deserve because of their love and their commitment to you. You have a Christmas celebration and people bring over Christmas gifts. And whether it's your wife or your husband or, or your children or your parents or whomever, they give, love you. And your tree has presents underneath it representing the free gift of grace of those people in your life. And, and Paul uses this word gift to share that his gracious gift is free for all of you. His presence is a gift. His present is a gift to us. And so we've got to figure out whether or not we're going to accept that gift. How many of you still have unwrapped Christmas presents in your house? Right? You got one unwrapped gift, right? right? You received a gift, and you go, well, that's a really good Christmas present. Thank you for the beautiful box. I'm going to leave it there. None of you. You've accepted it. It's been given to you. It's a gracious gift. Paul's going to use two words here. Paul's going to use two words to mark us. One, sin. Sin is missing the mark of perfection. Two, transgressions are willful disobedience. A sin is missing the mark of perfection. And so here's perfection. And God says, are you perfect? Every time you're not perfect, you are engaging in an act that misses perfection of God's holiness. You've sinned. Imagine a target, and, and here's God's perfection already displayed, God's perfection. Are you angry at your brother? Well, then, then, then you missed the mark of perfection of not murdering. Did you look at a person lustfully? Well, then you missed the mark of not committing adultery. Did you work on the Sabbath? Have you broken the Sabbath? And you missed the mark of, do you have other gods in front of you? 
mainly yourself in front of God, then you miss the mark of worshiping your one God. Second is transgression, willful disobedience. I have a simple little short video for what willful disobedience. There's a young boy, this young kid. There's going to be a lot of little signs that say, hey, hey, this is willful disobedience. Watch what this says. This is just a little simple sign. First, it says no parking anytime. And so what does he do? He, he flaunts the fact that he parks in front of the little parking sign. And then it says no food and drink. And what does he do? Hey, 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 he has a burger and he has a, a drink. And the, then it says, hey, no trespassing. Keep out. And what does this young boy do? Where does he go? He trespasses. He dances about it. He's all excited that he broke the law. What's this say? This says exit. Dancing because he goes through. He willfully breaks the law. That's what a transgression is. A transgression is God says don't do this. God says don't do that. And you willfully step and then sometimes you dance like he dances. Although I don't dance like he dances, does he? That's <laughs> not even a nice way. That's why Amy and I don't go dancing because um, it causes marriage counseling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I need lots of it. She's okay. Um, and so, so when it, that's what we do. We, we transgress the laws. We willfully, willfully say, I'm going to engage in a relationship God doesn't think is holy. I'm going to participate in this activity. I'm going to say these things even though God has told me not to. I'm going to talk about this person even though God says not to. I'm going to willfully transgress. And so we bring those words up because of what the text says. The left is the negative. For the transgressions of this one man, the willful disobedience of Adam brought death to many. Now the white, the positive. But even greater is the wonderful, abundant grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this one man. You catch this. Look at this, this word, this wonderful, abundant. It, it, it's hard to translate into English. And so I thought I'd show you some pictures of God's grace. And we think of how amazing it is. Imagine a river. Here we are, we are in Colton. The biggest river we have close to us is the little Santa Ana River, right? And that thing only flows like a month out of the year. And, and so when we think of the river flowing, we sometimes think of God's grace as the Santa Ana River. Sometimes it's dry. Sometimes it's dusty. And, and, and you just don't see the abundance of it. But, but let me show you this. We've had a lot of rains in the Midwest. Imagine God's grace like that to you. Imagine God's grace overflowing its banks to you. Imagine God's grace of flooding everything about you. That's what it says when, when God's grace is abundant. overflows the predicted areas in your life. It comes out and it overflows, and therefore those people who hang around you also get wet, also are flooded, also enjoy the greatness of God's grace. And to which I should hear an amen. You guys, you guys have the grace of God. And, it, and the text says his wonderful, abundant grace, his gift to you, the present that he has received, given you, is his abundant grace. His abundant grace and his abundant forgiveness. And so it says his abundant grace and God's forgiveness is overflowing its banks towards you. Those things that you have transgressed and you said, God, no, I'm going to do it. God's forgiveness is huge. It's beyond the borders of the natural river, it overflows and it says, I've got you. You've said, no, I've missed the mark of perfection. I'm just going to go ahead and not be a perfect person. I'm not even going to try. I'm going to go in the exit door everywhere I can. I'm going to be a rebellious person. And God says, my forgiveness is abundant towards you. 
I want you to be an example of my grace, an example of my forgiveness. Here's the gift. It's a gift for you, overflowing. Jesus said the thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. But what? I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. And many life is like the Santa Ana River, dried up and frizzled out. And yeah, I'm a Christian and it's so hard work. It, it's such a drudgery. It, it's, it's so painful. It's so slow. And God says that's because you're on the wrong river. Go to a river that's abounding in water, filled with water, flushed with water. Find that source and, and, and ride the rapids of his grace and his forgiveness, church. Find people whose, whose God is working in. I, I love, David didn't get to share all of his story because of the time, but, but, he, but he was able to talk to his dad and say, Dad, we've been praying for you on Wednesday night. And, and that touched his dad in such a way. It's been great to see Jose and Debbie and, and their relationships and their relatives are just going, wow, something about you has changed. It's been great to see others in the Bible study. Bible study, uh, just made a quick wink at one person, um, and whose lives are being touched and impacted. Why? Because the flood banks of God's grace is abounding abundantly in that group. And that's why we connect to one another. That's why we're in relationship with each other. That's why we do it. Jesus said the day might have life and have it abundantly. You don't have to wait until you die to get it. You can have it now. Through one man's life, sin came. We've already saw that. Through one man's life, grace came. Our choice is if, you're in, if you were born in the prison of Adam, if you are a slave to sin, I love the songs that Trevon picked out today. Break the shackles. If you're born of sin, you have a choice as to whether or not you can live, but the key to getting out is cross-shaped. All you got to do is insert the cross into the door. The door flies open, and then you are free. You don't have to live in the shackles and then the shame and the dungeon and the drudgery of the life that Adam gave you. You can live in the hope and the promise and the, and, the, and the cleanness of what Jesus has provided for you. And the passage says this, and the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free and made right with God, even though guilty of many sins. Church, this is what Paul's saying. You might be guilty. You, you might have done many things wrong, but God's free gift. If you've accepted that present, you are forgiven. You are cleansed. The grace of God floods over the top of you. Do we get it? Are we there? For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to reign over many. What's going to happen for the righteousness of this Christ? Reign means to have authority. Death reigns. Reign means to have authority. And so when we just sang about God reigning, who do we give authority to? Do we give authority to the sin in our life? Do we give authority to, to a person who no longer has any rights, any dominion, any rights to the enemy of yours, and live in discouragement, live in despair, live in, dudger, live in drudgery? Thank you. That's, don't worry about me. I, I speak for profession. <laughs> right? You can live in drudgery. Or do you want to live in hope and peace and joy abundant? What, what, what life do you want to live today? What life do you want to be a part of? See, death reigns. One day your hearse will come. One day. One day you're, they're going to pick you up. They're going to find a, a cold body in your house and, and your hearse will come. And, and that's going to be a testimony of the fact that what Adam did, our great-grandfather, he did, 
truly happened? How are you going to live life between now and then? Are you going to live life just waiting for that day and going, well, when I die, I die, and then I'll get to see God? Or are you going to live your life to the full, completely empowered, to do everything as God has called you to do today, not worried about tomorrow? For one man's sin caused death. How powerful is death? How strong is death? But even greater, even greater than the stronghold of death is Christ. Even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. Church of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. God's power over death has been conquered. He is stronger. We sang, we sang that, that one day that body is going to breathe that life. It came alive. We celebrate. We celebrate Jesus Christ and his victory over sin and over death, right? But even greater is God's wonderful gift and his righteousness for all who receive it. It is not for everyone. If you have not accepted Jesus Christ and you have not said, Lord Jesus, come into my life, then you're still on the dark side. You're still on the side that one day you're going to face your maker and he's going to say, why are you here? Good God, I've done a lot of, I, I helped the poor, I started some ministries. I, but he said, did you ever give your heart to me? Did you ever allow me to have control? Did you ever allow me to reign in your life? And he will know the answer, and you will know the answer. But you have a choice. The power of God is only for those who receive it, for those who have accepted it. Because for those who receive it, will reign and live in triumph over sin and death through this one man. You don't have to live a defeated life anymore. You don't have to live a life imprisoned by sin, shackled by, by your desires, enslaved thoughts. You don't have to do that anymore. You can have the power of God living and dwelling in you. In fact, you do have the power of God living and dwelling in you because you have given your life over to Jesus Christ, your Lord. Church, I can't wait to see what happens as you guys just digest this and you understand this. You're going to go, I am going to no longer let sin reign in my life. I am going to let life reign in my life. I am going to give my whole heart over to Jesus Christ and I'm going to choose to be joy-filled in the midst of struggle. I'm going to choose to be happy in the midst of circumstances. I am going to choose to be a blessing instead of a curse. I am going to choose for God's grace to abundant our life. I am going to choose this morning to give praise to God every day. Right? Life in Christ begins today. As I think about our church and I think about where we are, Sometimes I think that, that a lot of our life is like the Santa Ana River. I think that there are a lot of people in this church whose spiritual life, yes, there's a river in their life, but there's no water in it. You haven't allowed the Holy Spirit to come and to flood you and to fill you and to empower you in such a way that you now empower others. First of all, first of all, you've received Jesus Christ. Every morning you get up and you say, Jesus Christ, Today, today, I am your instrument. Today, I give my heart to you. Today, uh, I don't know what I'm going to face. I don't know the hardships. I don't know the challenges in front of me. I don't know. But today, Jesus, I'm going to try to make some decisions that honor and please you. 
And then I'm going to make some things that are going to miss the mark of perfection. And I ask for your strength to not give in to temptation. I ask for your strength to live holy. I ask for your strength to make decisions so that my life will reflect who you are in my life. Today, I want to live in power. I no longer want to be dryandent. I want to be filled with all that is. The gift of God is free. You can have it today. The gift of God is free. The gift of God is abundant. The gift is forgiveness, and the gift is righteousness. You can accept that gift today. You can. It is free. You don't have to pay for it. God already did the price. It's abundant. It's not a small present. It's not. It's not a small little box. It's abundant. It is something that when you open it, you will never, ever be able to contain. Are you ready to open that today? Are you ready to get this free gift? The gift of God is forgiveness, not of your past sins, but your present sins, not just of your of forgiveness for your future sins. The yes and amen. God promises to forgive you, and he has forgiven you already for those sins that you have not yet committed. You are free, church. You are released. God is flowing in and through you. And then the gift of righteousness we see ourselves as, as people downtrodden, beaten down, and, and kind of average normal people of society. But imagine God sees, God sees 50 points of brilliance in here. God sees 50 people who are righteous. God sees 50 people who are holy. God sees 50 people who are noble. Let's live into the calling that God has called us to be. Let's be the, peop- Let's be the people that God believes in us to be. Let's be the people who live life to the fullest. And then I'm going to ask you a question. Ask you a question. Imagine you were walking down Rodeo Drive. And you're on Rodeo Drive, and, and, and you're looking at all the jewelry, and you see this, this bling. And it says it's worth a million dollars. And you go, well, that's a beautiful jewelry, but I don't have any money in my pocket, and I definitely don't have a million dollars in my wallet. I don't know what I'm going to do. And so you, what do you do? You, you look at that, you go, yeah, that's really beautiful. It's, a, it, it, it's, it's really beautiful, it's ornate, it's great. And what are you going to do with that? Well, you're going to pass it up because you're going to say that's for somebody else, right? Instead of $1,000, a million dollars, what if it said that? What if it said free? Would you go get that necklace? Anybody, would, anybody go get the necklace? Good. The other half of you are lying, right? If you got a million-dollar necklace for free, would you get it, right? Right? That's exactly what you do. You go, and then you might take another piece of jewelry if the other piece of jewelry is free. And, and I was talking with a friend of mine, and, and, and the thing is, you know that you know, if you were to go to, let's say, a thrift shop and see the same necklace for, for free, you'd go, yeah, well, that's all fake, and that's not any good, right? But the quality of this, it's on Rodale Drive. It's on the place where the stars and the wealthy shop you know, you know that it is, in, you know that it's beautiful, right? You know that it's real, and it says free, and you're going to take it. Imagine that. Turn that over to the gospel church. The gift is more valuable than that necklace, and it is free. And how do you know it's free? Based upon the quality of the people around you. Those people that, that whose lives have been changed, whose lives have been touched. You go, you go. Wow, they've been touched by grace. They've been touched by hope. They've been touched by forgiveness. I hear their story, and I know that God is real, and and I know that what has happened in their life is true. And so what happens is I'm going to accept that gift because of the quality 
of the person opening the present. Flip that over to you. Other people are looking at Christianity. Other people are looking at Jesus and trying to figure out, is he real? You say that there's a gift. You say that there's a God. You say that there's hope. And are you somebody in which somebody's life would go, wow, God is real in their life. I trust their word. And then because of who they are, what they say, what they represent, I love their God. That really works, church. That really understands. So two things. One, give the gift away for free. Two, be a person whose life reflects the value. You are incredibly valuable to God the Father. He died for you. He loves you so much that he said, I want that righteous person in my presence. How do I make him righteous? I go and I buy their righteousness. I redeem them from Satan. And so he has redeemed you. He has forgiven you. He has justified you. He has reconciled you. He has washed you clean. What else has he done to you? He's done it all for you. Accept it. And when you accept it, realize you're going to have to flood everybody else with the grace and forgiveness he's already given you. And that's what Paul is saying. And that's what Paul is preparing. The church in receive the gift and then live the gift. You guys ready this week? See, Michael, you ready? All right. I'm going to call on other people. Where's Lorna back there? You ready to receive the gift and live the leaf? She is. She's good to go. Tommy on this side, you good? Good. Okay, Amy, you good? Well, let's receive the gift. Let's pray. I'm going to pray if there's somebody in this room who has never received the gift. It's free. It's there. It'd be horrible if you walked past the gift and you said, well, I don't believe the gift. And so you walked past the opportunity to get it. And you said, well, I'm a better gift later on in life. Oh, that'd be horrible. Lord Jesus Christ, I pray this morning that if there's anybody who has never received that gift, the gift of your son, the gift of grace and forgiveness and righteousness and redemption, Lord, I pray that today they, they would accept the gift. They would pray, Lord Jesus, enter my heart. Lord Jesus, enter my life. Lord Jesus, come into my, be my Lord, reign in who I am. And then, Lord, I ask that for those of us who have accepted that, who have accepted you, and you see as righteous, and you see as holy. Lord, I pray that we as, we as a body of believers would flood the valley, that, that our lives would be impactful, not just on those in our neighborhood and those next to the river, but those on the other side of the river, those on the other side of town. Lord, give us the privilege, the honor, the joy of sharing your love and your grace to everybody we come in contact. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to do that. I pray for these men and these women as they are obedient follow, followers of yours, that you would give them power and strength to do what you have called them to do this week. In your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen.